Hi, I'm David Russo. I'm Jared Friesen. And I'm Brian McMaster. And this is My Friend the Philosopher. A series of conversations about following Jesus through friendship. In this session, we are joined by a guest who you already know, but not by voice. Brian McMaster has created the beautiful intro music you hear before every episode, and is a good friend of mine and Jared's. Today, he sits in as we talk about the need to embrace suffering. Why do we have such a hard time giving space for other people to sit in pain and suffering? Why are we so quick to give a resolution, give a, you know, consoling word, try to point to, it's all going to be okay. What's the dynamic of that? What's happening inside of us that makes us kind of shrink away from giving space for people to sit in lamentation, mm. to sit in grief, to sit in sorrow? Why, why do we want to pull people um, away from that so quickly? Or ourselves away from that? Well, I think I'm, I'm actually really interested to see what Brian's thoughts are because you're a worship leader and so much of, you know, worship in scripture is the declaration of negative emotions, but you don't sing negative emotions often, not you as in a like this is a personal choice, but in church culture, they're yeah. often joy, gratitude. You will pick me up. There's not a mm-hmm. lot of Lord, where are you? Mm-hmm. Are you even here? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Brian, what are your thoughts on just the reality of that within the church? Yeah. Uh. Well, I don't know. I'm not very good at the, I, I can't speak for the church as a whole. Like yeah, I'm yeah, actually pretty bad as the, like, I'm not very corporately minded. You're the representative for all worship leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For <laughs> globally, sure. internationally. Right now. <laughs> Every denomination. <laughs> Every go. Den- yes. Speak for them. <laughs> well, it's good because I just got off the phone with yeah. them. So <laughs> uh, I think, I think and this is maybe general and just the way I interpret the, the world and through my own experience and stuff. But I think that like, um, it's, 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 it's easier to talk about like catastrophic like events, you know, like it's easier to, to discuss or like dissect um, like a tsunami Mm. or, or, you know, even, uh, even something maybe more personal to humanity, but it's still distant enough, like, like the Holocaust, Mm. like we can talk about that because it's an example of like, well, this was really evil or like, you know, this, this pain is out, it's external, like a tsunami is something that you can't control or, or foresee. Yeah. So it's like, it's easier to look outside and see like, that's a bad thing. Mm. And that's a painful thing. 
and almost because it presents a problem that you then can solve. Yeah. Uh, but I think when it comes to like confronting our own reality and like the fact that this happened to me or I did something to someone, um, it's a lot harder to reckon with. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like you can't solve it Mm -hmm. because either you're the cause or you're the, like the recipient of something. And it's like when you realize pain, it's almost, it's like, it's, it reminds me of that verse. Like it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's like pain is too terrible to even like to see in yourself or to see that you've inflicted. So it's like, can I not reckon with that? Because joy and peace and hope and faith and love, they all, it's like those are distant too. So they're easier to talk about, but it's like kind of like what we were saying earlier about, well, the only way to like the seed bed, the only way to grow is you have to, you know, the seed has to go in the dirt. It has to die. Yes. It has to surrender the form it's in and sprout roots and then fight its way up through the dirt. Yes. To then maybe blossom, mm. maybe yield a, a crop. Mm. You know, beauty is born through yeah. a process that is looks painful mm. and looks challenging. Um, you know, like a caterpillar turning into a a chrysalis. It's wild. Yes. It looks like it's dying. It's yes. like writhing. It's its antennas are falling off. Its feet are falling off. Yeah, like it—it it looks like it's dying. <laughs> Almost like it's fighting against that process. Yeah, like it's struggling to keep its old life yeah. as a caterpillar. Yeah, oh, but then you know, wow. it's like it, it. Two weeks later, yeah, it's a beautiful monarch or a beautiful whatever, yeah. and and it's it's weird. <laughs> and so I think it's 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 too terrible of a reality to face. Yes. And it's easier to disembody and look at something, mm. uh, quote unquote, more catastrophic or like, well. Externalized. Yeah. It's outside of myself. You so. diminish your own. Yeah. Because, well, what, what can I complain about? Those yes. people just suffered a tsunami yes. or, you know, this historical event was so terrible. Mm. But it's like, mm. yeah, it's too close. It's too close to home. Yep. It's too close for comfort. (laughs) And I think on both sides too, it's too close to home in the pains that we've experienced. Mm. The pain that like seems to run contrary to our faith. Yeah. You know, that that's one thing is is like when there feels like there's a dissonance, there's, there's like cognitive dissonance between the little Bible verse that is supposed to encourage us that someone gives to us or like puts on a sticker or coffee mug, there's dissonance between that reality and the reality of like our lived experience. Yeah. So there's, there's dissonance there. Like they don't, they don't harmonize. Mm-hmm. And then there's also dissonance with us as supposedly transformed beings Yeah, who still have these deep, deep roots of, of sin in our mm-hmm. lives. And I think like the pain of, of, realizing that you are a inflictor of pain is something that most of us, like we really can't look at. Um, I actually believe it's impossible to look at 
apart from like God's illumination into that area. Right. I think it's it's actually more a process of being searched out instead of searching. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe where like I think some psychologists are missing something where internal reflection is like an exploration and a journey we can't go on alone. Mm. It's it's actually something that like it's too dangerous of caverns and like <laughs> caves or, or like to a point to a point like you can get so far but then you're going to see things inside of yourself that are so dark and yeah. so like disturbing that it's it's like you, your face gets melted <laughs> yeah you know, like you can't look at these things yeah it's almost the opposite of glory like you look at the depths of of yourself mm. and you realize there's there's motivations and desires in me that are so contrary to what I think I want mm-hmm. um, that I literally need a different source of light to, to do that exploration. Yeah. And it's like part of sitting in pain and suffering, I think is, is allowing the, the hand of the gardener to go really deep into the roots mm-hmm. of a plant and, and pull it up. You yeah. know, like a lot of the, the quick consolations and quick, maybe like worship songs that just say, you know, everything's going to be all right. I'm all right. It, it sometimes only is trimming. I think the top of the weed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's not allowing the depth of, of the, the roots of the weed to really be like unearthed mm-hmm. and exposed. Wow. And, and it, that, that's the process side of like, I think lamentation. Yeah. But I'd be curious, what would that look like today in churches or in communities? Like, to, to give space for people to actually have the roots of their, you know, dysfunction mm-hmm. uncovered. What would that look like for us to sit long enough for the light to transform us deeply enough? Yeah. I think it's, it's, you have to like back to the kind of the, the worship sphere of it. It's like, you have to be committed to knowing your community. Yes. And you know, like the, the international church and the songs, that the church of like the world uh, or sorry, that the global church is writing like, it's not a bad thing, oh, but no, it's inevitably no. it's, it's not general to mm. the authors always mm. to the writers, but it, I think the more scope a song has, the more general it becomes, mm. um, which isn't bad right? because God is good. Yes. Like, faith, hope, and love. Yeah, are are the three yes. and love remain like, and we should celebrate those things absolutely. Yes, and yes. then I think there's there needs to be an equal commitment to, mm. you know, empowering, um, empowering the artists of your community, mm. Um, mm. and the pastors engaging mm. deeply in their community to know that the depths of sorrow, to know the depths of brokenness and pain, yeah, and to to have the courage to confront them, mm. not necessarily solve them, but to confront them and allow Christ to yeah. heal, to do what he does. You know, I, I think it's, it's a lot easier to say we need to rely on Christ and rely on the work of the spirit to transform us. But it's a lot harder to not talk about that and to actually endure it. Yeah. You know, mm. like, all the metaphors for God, you're a consuming fire, you know, you're, you're a crucible. Yes. Um, the, you know, Christ's passion, yeah. the understanding of that word is Christ's suffering. Yes. yes. So the passion of Christ is the suffering of the mm. Messiah. 
Mm. And it's like, oh. you know, love, and maybe love is suffering in a sense. Yeah. Well, because I mean, think of all that love can actually endure if you, yes. if you let it. Mm. Yes. You know, <laughs> and I think, yeah, like Andy Squires, that song, you bring the morning. I oh. saw he did. He did actually perform that in a church. Like one of the lines it's, it's, it's talking about God, but he says like, you bring the stillborn baby to my shoulder. And like, I just lose it. That, that song talks about God being in the midst of the suffering. That, that line. Yes. Slays me. Slays. Sorry. One more Jared. But yeah, the yeah, line that absolutely brings me to my knees is, uh, it's, it's later on in that same, uh, bridge. Yeah. Is you you bring the wilderness where I can learn to hunger, <laughs> like oh. God, God initiating your your um, season of of deep need and mm. deep lack, so as to train you to aim your hunger, wow, to a true source of placation, like so good, so good. <laughs> Like, well, oh my gosh. I, I think that's the tension. <laughs> How can you not crumble? <laughs> it's it's wonderfully awful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but that's it. the tension. That's the yeah. that's the tension that I think I'm just thinking about. We in our in our worship and in, in our community, we know that God wants to be glorified. Mm-hmm. But do we truly know that he wants to go to our pain? Do we know, like, do we truly believe that that's where he wants to meet us? And because David, you're like, we can't do this alone. Well, if we can't do this alone and community is going to offer inconsistent and uh, what am I trying to say? Community is going to offer you comfort through your journey, but it's not going to be faithful. So we need someone faithful to meet us in that brokenness. So the tension is, do we actually believe God's going to meet us there? Mm. If I'm going to have the courage to face my family of origin or my brokenness or my past, do I actually believe that God is going to not only meet me there, but wants to go there? Does Mm -hmm. he want, does he want me to be found in that desert land? Yes. Yeah. Well, and can you face, excuse me, can you face the form it comes to you in? Because so much of the disciples, like the only thing in my mind that the disciples had going for them was that they said, okay, (laughs) like, (laughs) follow me. Wow. Okay. But it's revealed that they were very much products of their environment where you know, mm. Peter has this revelation, like again, the illuminating light of, of God saying to Peter, Hey, this guy's the Messiah. And then Peter receiving that revelation and saying, You're the like, you're the Messiah. Yes. And then Jesus goes, You nailed it. Now here's what's gonna happen. And he explains to him the process of suffering, of death, and then resurrection. And it's almost like, yep. no. And so Peter doesn't know what to do yes so he says no you're you're the messiah you're not good no yeah. and then mm. peter looks at his other disciples looks at peter or i'm sorry jesus looks mm. at the disciples looks at peter and is like back up dude like mm. hang on 
And then that's when he launches into, I forget if there's a crowd there. But he says, yeah, get behind me, Satan. Yeah, get behind me, Satan. To Peter. And then he looks around and I forget if there's a crowd there, but that's when he launches into, if any one of you wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow me. So their idea of the Messiah, generally, popularly conquering, you know, conquers Rome, puts Israel at the top again. Mm. And he's saying, if you want to follow the Messiah, like abandon your idea of him, deny yourself, Mm. pick up your cross and follow me and I'll show you what this Messiah is like. Mm. But like, how can you, like, how can you receive that? And it's the same with like, where he, 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 there's that massive crowd and he says, if you want to follow, like, if you want to follow me, eat my, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And the, the part that kills me is a lot of people say like, this is a hard teaching. Yes. Like I, you had me up till then, man. Like, I want to follow you, but what are you talking about? (laughs) And so, and then to imagine like the disciples are learning the whole time, Mm. but then, but then like, think about, you know, we we're so blessed with the scriptures. We're so blessed to know the full story and that Christ resurrects and that, you know, in revelation, the, the dragon is defeated and new, new heaven and new earth come together. Like we're so like, I'm so thankful to have that, but I think it robs us of the reality of Christ in time and place where it's like, what do you do when you say yes to this guy? Yeah. And he kind of says weird things like eat my, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And you're like, okay. (laughs) And like, he keeps talking about how he's going to die. Um, I'm just going to, sort of put that in the corner. I yes, don't get it. Not confront that. It's too right. terrible to confront. Yes. You're not going to die, whatever. And then what does he do? He just goes and dies. Like your Messiah yeah. just goes and dies. Like all the ones who came before him. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, what do you do? You know, like, and I, I don't know that I've, I've heard Popularly, generally, like broadly. I don't think I've heard that. Like, what do you do when your Messiah just dies? Whoa. Okay. (laughs) That's as a concept too. Like, what happens when our version of the Messiah dies? Yeah. Like he does over and over, like in our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like the first time you encounter real suffering post like Christian conversion. Yeah. A version of your Messiah dies. The version that said, you know, everything's going to be better from this point forward. Mm-hmm. Like that version of the Messiah in your heart, in some way, it's like it, it has to die because it's confronted mm-hmm. with something else. And then there's so many thoughts on this, but like two directions. I feel like two pathways just to maybe put in front of us either direction <laughs> <laughs> is one how how do we reconcile Peter's moment of like greatest declaration of Christ's divinity with the uncovering of Satan within himself? Yeah. That those things happen in a person at the same time. I think that ties into like our conversation of worship music in a lot of ways. Like that is to see reality as it is. That's mm-hmm. to see through our left eye and the right eye. Mm-hmm. And yeah. get the depth of life, at, you know. You get the depth perception of 
Satan is is present in Peter as he's <laughs> declaring this is the Christ. <laughs> you know, so there, there's that. But then, like, this other thing of what, why do we try to, like, put on a pair of shoes that we've outgrown? Mm. Like, you know, if you're growing up and you've got like this pair of shoes, like you're in seventh grade and it's like, these are my shoes, you know, and your feet grow. It's, it'd be like kind of child abuse. If we said a parent is forcing that kid to keep wearing those, those tight shoes, if they can afford better shoes, you know, it's like, we all think that's a really sad thing. If you're confined to, you know, those, those objects that are literally like, constricting you and causing you pain like that's that's bad Uh, but i think a lot of us kind of we reject that process of letting the version of our messiah kind of die because it is a painful thing it is like a letting go of of a container that we used to have him inside of a container Mm -hmm. that we used to fit ourselves inside of um and when he starts to to outgrow that in our understanding we really don't want to like switch shoes and i think that's metamorphosis you know that that's us evolving i'm curious this is just an open question do you think you guys operate in a way that shows you know your god like know how he operates or do you think you operate in a way where you find yourself wondering maybe I got this wrong about him yeah I think to be honest I I used to I used to encounter that a lot more often I actually wrestle, I think, more on the other side of things now where it's like, I, I feel actually I maybe don't expect enough out of God <laughs> <laughs> anymore. I, I actually feel my faith is is weak on the other side of things where I don't ask God mm. for things. I don't ask him to involve himself as much as I should. Mm. So I think I'm probably on the the other end of that, just believing, you know, who am I to ask for anything because I don't understand the totality of things like you do. Um, and so I don't, I don't know what to ask for anymore because things that you think might be blessings might not be. Mm. So Mm. I, I would say I used to wrestle with that a lot more, like not, um, coming up against things where I would question who God is. But just just to be honest, like recently, it's more questioning who am I, you know? Because mm. mm. I think there's there's a healthy aspect of mystery in our posture. That yes, we should be confident and full of faith. But I find that when I'm overconfident and so full of faith, I like make a God that looks just like myself. Yeah, that's good. And the the slower I am, the more curious I am. Not curious in a way where I'm going to go mold a different God, but actually courageous and willing to pursue. Who are you, even if you disagree with me? 
And I, I think that's, that's the balance that I, I'm trying to find and struggle to find a balance of curiosity and certainty. Cause I've been with this God for almost 30 years. He's been with me for almost 30 years. So I should know him to a certain degree, but he's been around for a long time and this is a relationship. And so there's a lot that I still don't know about him. Yeah. Yeah. It's like juggling the orthodox, like, well, this is true. Like right. this ain't going anywhere. Like, yes, you, there are some things. Yes. That's not going anywhere. And yeah. if you try to throw that out, you're, you're like what you said, Jared, it's like, you're, you're doing a completely different thing. Yeah. You know, and then reconciling with like the, you know, the, the religious leaders of Jesus's day certainly knew like Torah prophets, yeah. you know, yeah. all that. And yet like the verse that kills me and that haunts me is when Jesus is like, you guys search the scriptures because you think that in them you have life. But like, mm. I tell you the truth, like, I forget what, exactly what he says, but he's basically saying like, these point to me here. I am. Yeah. Everything mm. you believe in is here. Yeah. Like I am everything you believe in. Yes. And more. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you, you know, like yes. we, we couldn't reconcile that if we're, you know, yes. it's easy to read the, the Pharisees and go, what are you doing? But it's like, yes. that would have been us. Like, I know the book and here's this dude. What? Like, I don't get it. Okay. And, I, I, I feel I got a connection like that that was like a key turn for me right there. Brian. <laughs> like, so it, like the, the song we're talking about is on the album titled poet priest. Yeah. Think about the like dichotomy between those two functions. <laughs> a poet is constantly engaging with stuff. It doesn't understand metaphor. Yes. Simile analogy. Mystery. Yes. Yeah. Like wow. a, a poet's engaging with that. A priest we expect certainty from. Yeah. A priest comes out and says, you know, the face of God shines upon you. Mm-hmm. His, his, his love for you is unending. And we look for sureties from the yeah. priest, but we actually look for mysteries from the poet. Wow. And wow. I think those two things coming together is, is kind of like what this Whoa. whole conversation is circling Whoa. around. Mm. So, so, so let's then come back. Let's take that posture and come back to what we were previously discussing. If there's possibility that we can have a false Messiah and this false Messiah needs to die. Mm. Is it true that the true Messiah, Jesus wants us to suffer? Mm. Cause the correct answer is yes. No. <laughs> but no. I'm glad you guys almost said that at the same time. Yeah. That's, that's, like, yeah. that's why we have three mics. There you go. Awesome. Um, Jared's going to mute me and then let his yes <laughs> cut through the editing. Does he want us to suffer? Man, let's. What a question. You know, here's, oh. here's, here's Peter being like, you're going to take the throne. And Jesus, is like, we're going to die together. Yeah. He goes, yes, but. <laughs> oh my gosh. Here's a question for you guys as parents Do you want your children to suffer? Suffer want, such a blunt. You, it's such a blunt word, but do you want them to bump up against things in their lives that are going to cause extreme tension and friction 
that will grow them? Mm. Yes and no. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I mean, I want a perfect world for him. Yeah. And her. Uh, but I know what death has brought to my life. Yeah. I know what being crucified has brought to my true life. It brought me real life. Mm. And so I think ideally, of course we don't want our children to suffer. I'm not going to speak for Brian, but I, of course I don't. (laughs) (laughs) That guy's a psycho. (laughs) But I think in this world where we're consumed by ourselves and idols and lookalikes, I, I think there is some death that has to take place death within ourselves. Yeah. No, I, I, that resonates so deeply with me, Jared, like, you know, like my son, he just started kindergarten, like I was saying earlier. And it's like, you know, my wife and I were, I feel like we're pretty even killed people. Like we're, I think we're both pretty thoughtful, pretty willing to engage with any number of different kinds of people. And, and yet fear, like I hear the voice of fear so much, like, you know, and and I'm not opposed to like, like if we're going to talk about like the school metaphor, it's like homeschooling is incredible. Sure. And I commend any parent willing to do that. And you know, and we're, and then like, I'm a product of the public school system and, you know, I don't know Look what that says, but, <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know, like there's so much, um, tension around that yeah. right now. Yeah. And a lot of voices and I won't accuse them of being afraid, but a lot of voices are saying like, don't send your children to these institutions because they're this, that, and the other. And it's kind of like, I, I see what you're saying. I, I understand there are things about the world that are being pushed that I'm, you know, fundamentally opposed to and, and think totally differently about and believe completely contrary. And yet it's like, man, like when I think of the ideal version of me, it's someone who's ready to stand, just ready to stand and like not have to conquer the world, but not have to disembody from it either, but just to, to be firm and faithful mm. to mm. the God who loves me, mm. despite what's going on. And despite, and so when I think of my son, it's like, I remember when we dropped him off, we were, we were like weepy. We went to staff prayer course, and like, yeah. I forget what we were praying for, but me and my wife were praying for my boy and we were just like weeping in the corner together. And yeah. I just remember like I, I read, and this is a more extreme opinion and view, but it was like, you know, like so much of so many parents are throwing their kids to the wolves mm. by sending them to public school. And I, mm. I just remember thinking like, I, you know, that was such a burden. I was like, am I, am I doing that? Like am right. I throwing my son to the wolves? Wow. And I thought, no, like I, I want to recommit my son 
to his father. Like mm. if I need to let go mm. and yeah, we don't have the, we don't have the time, the resources or the capacity to homeschool. Yeah. Like that'd be such a huge burden. So it's like, yeah. like father, mm. he's your son. Like <laughs> I'm not throwing him to the wolves. I'm, I want to recommit him to his father. And so every day my prayer for my boy is I drop him off and I say, God, shield him from his true enemy. Like the institution is not his enemy. Wow. His teachers aren't his enemy. Other students aren't his enemy. Like the scriptures tell us our enemy yes. is the authorities, the principalities, yeah. the rulers of the spiritual aid. Like yes. the, the devil himself yes. is our mm. only enemy. And he manifests in many different ways, but it's like, I have to believe, you know? And so back to the suffering thing, it's like, I want my son to have a spine that he, that he is ready to bend like in service to his God and in service to the world that his God loves, mm. you know, but you need a spine, you need, you need a spine, you need yes conflict you need tension yes. and 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 resistance and struggle yeah you need and something so, to push against yeah yes. it's like you know you become a you don't you're not you don't become a real person mm. without it Oof. and you know i heard an interview with uh, that seal who's popular uh jocko willink yeah and someone asked him like would you wish war on your sons um. and he said no and yet, like seeing the destruction of man and the brokenness of man has so shaped him. He's like, I don't, I don't want my sons to go to war. And yet, wow. And yet facing that. And yet war has provided so many blessings of his life just to, to, to form him, the formation of war for and, who Chaco is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's the ever-present tension of the suffering Messiah of like, yes, you know, it's like, I, I think I could safely say we all have better marriages because we've gone through conflict Yeah, in our marriages and with our spouses, like, mm. and better is, you know, has to be kind of be defined. And, and, it, and I think it, it gets to really like the deep rooted belief that when God created, like in the creation story, we, I think we translate and God saw that it is good to God made it perfect and there was no problem. Wow. And I, and oh, that's good. And while that's, that could be the case, it doesn't say that. <laughs> it doesn't say yes. it was perfect. We imply it is yes. because God is perfect and God is good. Yes but it doesn't say that. Wow. And so, mm. and Satan was in the garden <laughs> and there was an outside the garden. What's that all about? Yes. And that and was so, there. And the so beginning. like, I don't think God, I'm, I'm more and more convinced that the, the, the mantra of my life is slowly becoming, you know, life is a gift rather than to escape from. And the question I pose in my, like I'll, I'll write in my journals, the question I pose to myself a lot these days is, what if your life is a gift to receive rather than escape from? And it's like the good, the bad, the, you know, the evil, like, you know, 
Yes. Sure. I'll die and go to heaven and life will be a breeze. You know, like yes. I think that's a pretty popular comforting belief. Yeah. And if I'm wrong about that, great. I'll enjoy my, my ease and my perfection. Mm. But something deeply stirring in me is like, man, I, I feel like heaven. I feel like new earth resurrected body is going to be in the moment. Not true, but I feel like if we could see it from where we are now, it would be a disappointment. <laughs> like, oh, that's not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. You know, and it's mirror. I think it's just mirrored through scripture. It's yeah. like. Mm. Yeah. Something, something of how we see it would definitely be disappointed. Like, yeah. Because it's, if, if it's something we're expecting, it's not going to be what we're expecting. Right. Like, yeah. 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 Like we know, we know something even in that vision is definitely going to die. Yeah. But that, that is, that, I think that's maybe like the, the heart of that question is to say, but is it better? And I think it is. It's like, right. to, it is better. Mm. It is better to not be completely sheltered from the realities of the world, even if that is a quote more perfect, like mm. perfected life. But there's something about, seeing through both eyes, like mm-hmm. seeing the world as it really is mm-hmm. and being seen as we really are, yeah. but that is going to cause more pain. It's like that same question of mm-hmm. the reason we avoid sitting in our suffering to go full circle. I think through this conversation, it's because it's, it's going to feel like death. It's going to feel way worse and yet it is going to be way better. And it calls our mm-hmm. God into question. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Yes. Like, Yes. You know, God made the world perfect. And now it's not because of sin. Like that's sort of the the fundamental description of, of yeah. things. And I, I believe that on an intellectual level, but I think it's like when I'm confronted with the reality of of the goodness of God in in a world that is filled with brokenness, I'm like, yeah. I like I guess he's working to make it perfect. But then all the classic questions that come up, it's like, well, why doesn't he? And it's like, I don't even know that I have an answer to that question, like kind of in that framework Uh that would satisfy even myself. It's like, well, what if, what if perfection was not the point ever and God being with his people ruling the world and working its good was always the point. And I might, I don't know if I'm, we're just talking crazy talk at this point, <laughs> but it's just, that's, what's been stirring in me. And, and again, like if you quizzed me on orthodox right thinking, I'd probably be like, yeah, God's perfect. And he's probably going to make the world perfect again. But it's like, I don't know. It's but stirring the, in the, me. The whole thing is just defining perfect. Right. You know, cause we, we have a mental image of what perfect means and yeah. looks like. And I think this conversation, like we've explored, that's probably not mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. that image is. Yeah. The perfect plan for our lives it, on his, from his vantage point is definitely not the, the one that we have in yeah. our expectations from our vantage point. Mm-hmm. So how far can you, can you kind of extrapolate that and, and apply that to, 
I think, yeah. it, it, I think it's got some legs. It's, it's hard when theology hits the real world. Like, well said. <laughs> it's hard to follow Jesus in Babylon.